You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back for another episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This. We're doing a Q&A, another Q&A, uh, as if, you, if you're new here. So we have once a month, Phil and I, we do uh, a free webinar on screenwriting. And sometimes we talk about writing, sometimes we talk about breaking into the business, sometimes we talk about how to get industry types to attend your event that's coming up. We Each one, each month is a different topic. And it's about an hour long and it's free, but we have we get a lot of questions at the end and I it can only have time to answer so many of them. So here are the ones that I missed. So thank you all for coming, for listening. Here are the ones that I couldn't get to. Yeah, and this is for the March webinar. Uh, and we also have the April webinar questions to get through too, because oh, we got a so lot, many questions. A lot of questions. The March webinar, what was on? I'm so sorry, Phil. I'm putting you on the spot. What was that one for? Let's let's see if I can pull it off. One second. Yeah. Pressures on Ding Tong. Got it up. The secret to getting ahead in Hollywood. Four things you must know. Yeah, the secret to getting ahead. Okay. So here are the questions. Yeah. Hit me, so, Phil. Now, to, to be clear, these are there are several, there were a lot of questions here. I mean, there were like 70 questions we didn't get to. Uh, that webinar is an hour long and it's dedicated to 15 to 20 minutes of QA. And you actually you try to push through a lot of the stuff to get to the questions. And despite that, we still have so many. So I have removed duplicate questions. So in our last episode doing the February Q&A, you answered a bunch of these. And there are other questions we've already talked about on the podcast or you've talked about on your social media. So if your question is not here and we don't answer it, apologize, but that's already been discussed pretty in depth. So lots of yeah. lots of great content. Just go to at Michael Jammin Writer to learn more or look at past podcast episodes related to your topic because we've covered a lot of this already. Yeah, at Michael uh, Jammin is on, is on Instagram and TikTok and, and Facebook. So yeah. At Michael Jammin Writer, right? Just no, sure. I'm sorry. I don't know my own. At Mike, okay. Michael Jammin, some other guy. Yeah. So cool. Well, question number one, Robert Cowie asked, is there such a thing as a perfect script or is it in the eye of the beholder? No such thing. As a matter, as a matter of fact, and I, it's a great question. I remember... Working on Just Shoot Me, it was my first staff writing job. And some of the older, more, more experienced writers, great writers in that show, people I'll, I'll interview on the podcast, they turn a script and I remember reading it thinking, oh my God, this is hilarious, this is gold. And then they would get notes from the showrunner. I'm like, what, why are they getting notes? This is perfect. And uh, you can always improve, you can always make it better or slightly different. The showrunner was looking for something a little different, but there's no such thing. No writer has ever turned a script. You could be Shakespeare, you would get notes. It's just how it works. So there's no such thing as a perfect script. Yeah, writing is rewriting and eventually you reach a point where you stop because you could just spend forever trying to make yeah. it better. And then five years from now, you're gonna look back and think that was horrible. I could have done better yeah. because you're progressing in the art, right? Yeah, you you use sure. Picasso as an example all the time about mastery, and in the course I think you even show like f examples of his work as a teenager moving into his twenties, yeah. and then he becomes so good at the roles he can bend the rules and become something truly unique, and that's mm -hmm. that's the path of mastery in any craft. Yeah, yeah, cool. and that's part. That's actually part of the fear. As I I was talking to my wife Cynthia this morning, because I'm putting my getting ready to put my book out, a paper orchestra, and I'm like. Once I put it out, I can't stop tinkering with it. I'm done. I, I no, can no longer tinker with it. I'm done. And and that's going to be a little difficult for me because I can't. There, you know, there's always things that I wish I could do different when I when I look it over. And it's like, no, you got to let it go. And now she's like, well, that's what your second book is for, is to do things differently in your second book. But I, you got to let it go yeah. at some point. Yeah. 
Excellent point. Jen Masumba Music, and I apologize if I mispronounce that. I have a pitch meeting with a big league company. I am terrified. Any tips on how a pitch meeting should go? Yeah, you should pitch them what you think it should be. And then you should be open to hearing their ideas and and incorporate their ideas and, and make them feel ownership in it. Because if you say, no, 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 this is, this is my way, my way, the highway, well, they're not going to have any pride of ownership. But if, you, if they bounce an idea off you and they go, oh, and that excites you, oh, that's interesting. Yes, even if it is your idea, but they're just rephrasing it. I love that. Make them feel like it's their idea. Make them feel like you're, they're being heard, that they're listening, that you're listening to them. That way they will fight more because it's their own. Now it's mm. theirs. So they'll fight for it. So let them in, you know, let yeah, them in. It's a collaborative medium, despite the fact yeah. that you're the writer. It's many hands, lots of people, yeah. lots of iterations of it. What you what gets submitted and is not what you shoot. What you shoot is not necessarily what's going to air because there's editing. Yeah. There's lots of iterations of this. And I, I, I tend to fall in love with whatever draft I'm working on. Uh, and, and then, you know, we'll get a note that's terrible and I'll do the note. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is pretty good because I, I fall in love with whatever, you know. And then my partner will say, don't you remember how much you hated this now? <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> One note, it's a bit of a tangent, but I think is an important note here. You've said in the past what you do when you're doing a new version is every day when you sit down, you save a new draft yeah. of your script so that you can always go back. And you keep that. That's yeah. not directly related to pitching, but I think it does speak to keeping your versions so that you can yeah. see how it changes and, and grow and go back. That's yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to talk more about that. But um, you, the truth is, I save them to make myself feel better, but I almost never look at them. I almost never go back to them. So, but it just it allows, when you it have allows to. me the it but it gives me the freedom to tear it apart. I go, I still have it. I have it if I want. It. Now I can just tear it apart and feel good. But if I didn't save it. I probably wouldn't want to let go of it. Yeah, it's playing. That's that's uh, what your wife taught me in acting classes. We're, we're gonna play, yeah. right? Cool. Bobby Kin, excuse me, Bobby Kiniston. Any thoughts for making the transition from playwriting to screenwriting or television writing? Well, it's good for you that you're doing that. Um, you know, story, story. What difference does it make whether you put it on a stage or a screen, uh, a large screen or a small screen? Who cares? Uh, you know, it's funny like. You know, when I'm writing for television, do you think I care if someone watches it on, you know, 40 inch television or on their six inch iPhone? Like, do I care? It doesn't change the way I'm writing it. You know, uh, maybe they'll be able to see less, but that, I don't really, it's not my business. That's their problem. So uh, it doesn't really change anything. It, it, it tips from becoming a playwright. Well, obviously now you have more sets to play with because in a play you literally can't have too many sets because where are you going to put them all? How are you going to get stage them? And so plays tend to be a little more talky, whereas a, a TV show or a movie tends to be like, well, let's watch, what are we watching now? Oh, the character's on a roller coaster. Okay, you can't do that in a play. So, but uh, a story structure is story structure. And if that's something you want to learn for sure, you know, we got a course, you go to michaeljammon.com slash course, and we, t we teach story and story structure, so. Yeah, there's another question in here and it's uh, kind of buried, so I apologize, I'm not gonna find the person who said it. But they asked the question, oh, here it is. Uh, Mark M Mark Mahawk, and I think we, I think that's a fake name. It's not yeah. really, Mark Mahawk. I was gonna Can say. You, yeah, I, I, I'm I worried I'm saying something. I, I was gonna make a joke about his name. <laughs> Can you talk right, more Mark about- All right, Mark Mahawk, what is it? <laughs> 
in uh i think this relates to that uh talking about different sets and things when you talk more about shooting things on your own when shooting diy would you prioritize dialogue for budget purposes well i'd prioritize story he, the the priority is you could shoot everything on your phone the only thing you have to have is good sound and I would, that's critical. If it sounds bad, I don't care. You, you don't want to, if I'm hearing wind noises more than the dialogue, if I'm hearing the background actor more than the foreground actor, that's a problem. So sound is really important, more so than camera work lens with camera you're going to shoot it on. Um, but prioritize dialogue. You should prioritize t- telling a good story. Mm-hmm. So if you could, you know, if you could tell a story with no dialogue, that's fine too. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin, lots and lots of dialogue. Yeah. Lots of other writers. No dialogue. I think the movie Drive. Have you seen Drive? Loved it. Very yeah. Loved blew it. my blew my mind. Dude barely yeah. talks. Barely yeah. talks. But it's yeah. so emotive and so expressive, and it's just so masterfully shot. Um, yeah. 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 So, like you're saying, um, if it if it calls for it, or if that's your style, and maybe that will develop your style. I think in film school, it was an indie film school that I went to, and they focused mm-hmm. a lot on that. It's like. What assets and resources do you have and utilize the tools that you have to make yeah. what you can? Yeah. That might be a park bench. And you've talked about that as an example in the webinar you did. Yeah. Park bench, two, two people talking could be boring. Put it in the living room. It's one of the greatest shows ever made. Yeah. All in the family. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, this is another one of those. Du Bois. D-A-U boy. B-O-Y-I. Sorry, I slotted that. All right. Your recommendation for new writers to be good or contribute in a writer's room? What's my recommendation? Yeah. Well, uh, just know that you're not getting paid what the more senior writers are getting paid. And so, God, I was just listening to, uh, who was I listening to? Saying the same exact thing, which is like, relax. When you're a new writer, just relax. Uh, Soak up, learn, be a sponge. Don't feel like you have to argue. Don't feel like you have to contribute too much. Your job, you're going to be white knuckling it the first, you know, several months, if not season, because you're going to be in way over your head. So just absorb. Don't feel, don't feel compelled that you that you have to contribute as much as everybody else. That's that's my feeling because, uh, you know, just just talking to hear yourself talk is not helpful to the rest of us. I was talking to a friend who is a staff writer on his first season, and he said I asked him how it went and asked him if he was nervous to talk. He's like. What I found interesting is like I knew better than to talk very much only when I had a good idea, but I didn't feel that the people just above him, the the story editor and senior story mm-hmm. editor were talking enough. They were not contributing enough. Oh, they and, were not. Oh. And uh, feedback from the showrunner, he said, was that the showrunner agreed that those people were not oh. carrying their weight. So at, oh, at what point, yeah. what's the transition point? At what point do you feel like you should be contributing more? Um, it- and it's really hard to know. I mean, that's why it's so important. And maybe we should clarify I, for people too. What are those levels, right? Because it's story, mm-hmm. it's staff writer, story editor, senior story editor. No, executive story, executive editor. story editor, and then it's uh, was it script co-producer, co-producer, producer, su- producer. Go ahead. Super, yeah. then supervising producer, then co-executive producer, then executive producer. And so the higher up you go, the more you're expected to to contribute. Um, and that's why. In the beginning, I didn't even know what a good pitch was. I didn't know what a good pitch was versus a bad pitch. The more you learn, the more you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the, when we talk about in the course, it's, I think one of the most valuable parts of the course is I hopefully, when you go through it, is like, 
you get a sense of what a good idea is and, and, and what's the, what story structure is. So you should know, you damn well should be know at the end of the course, like what constitutes a good pitch? What, what, what does this beat? What should that beat be? What, what is a story? How does a story unfold? Uh, how, you know, how does the scene unfold? This is all like important stuff that, so you're not just like throwing out ideas. I think a lot of problems, Hey, what if, well, we're not pitching, we're not playing what if right now. We're actually, we're actually trying to break the story and we're not free writing right now. Now we're, now we're further down the road. Yeah, just know. a note, just a note on the value of that segment about knowing what a good idea is this season in the Tacoma FD writers room. When I was sitting there, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to talk other than I'm answering a question or providing research. Cause that's kind of my role. And I remember you were all trying to figure out what are we going to do for the cold open of this episode? And you were thinking of like an interesting reason to get our firefighters there. And for whatever reason, this story popped in. My my friend had a roommate who uh, jabbed an EpiPen into his leg backwards and it hooked into his thumb, but he was super drunk. And so uh-huh. like firefighters had to come. And I just pitched that. And I just remember everyone be like, that'll work. And they wrote it up. And that was the working cold open. And it changed and it didn't work because they did something very similar later. But I was All like, right. oh, perfect. That that was a good idea. Proper time to bring it up. And it worked. Like that. Right. Then that came from your course. Oh, well, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pitched anything. You know, first of all, you say don't, don't talk if you're an assistant. But secondly, I did, I knew it was a good pitch because of your course, and that's why I opened right. my mouth. And it, it was on right. the board for like a week. So yeah, made, made me yeah. feel warm and fuzzy. Absolutely. Awesome, Lorenzo Savoia. Can you name a couple of screenwriters you respect and you think could be a good source of technical mastery? Well, uh. John Hughes, I mean, you know, but I don't know him personally, or I don't know if this person's talking about people I know personally. I mean, I love John Hughes. I just, you know, The Breakfast Club is a play, is a stage play, you know, but it, 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 you know, it was a movie, but it feels like a stage play. So it's very talky and wonderful and so authentic. And it really felt like, um, it really felt like, like he remembered what it was like to be a teenager. Um, all of his movies capture that, that time. It's, it's, I mean, it's yeah. a John Hughes movie. You know what it is when it's coming up because. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anybody better than him? That's my opinion. No, mm. but that's, but that's the style of writing that I like. So for sure. Michael Scott. And I think, um, I don't know if you want to bring this up, but occasionally when you do the webinar, you will give away a free access to a free seat in your course lifetime. Access. Yeah. That's a good reason to show up. Michael Scott won. Michael Scott was our winner. Oh, that's right. He won. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael Scott said, do you recommend attending PGA West, Producers Guild of America, events and networking with showrunners? I think he might mean WGA West. Yeah. I've never been to a PGA Producers Guild event. I don't even, I don't even know what kind of events they have. And I, think, I don't think, I think he means, go. at the West, I think means he, he means yeah. WGA. Uh, but yeah. Michael, I'm I mean, sorry. I've got that wrong. Well, I would, I'd go, but I wouldn't go for a net. I wouldn't go to network. Net, networking is gross. Uh, you know, people smell it a mile away. I say network with people at your own level, which might be, you know, which whatever level you're at, that's who you network with. Don't network. You don't have to kiss the ass of the show of some showrunner. He or she will smell it a mile away. Yeah. Uh, you know, network with people at your own because they rise up, you yeah. know, they'll rise up as assistants become whatever agents, managers, writers. Uh, that's your friend group. That's your circle. Yeah. 
Um, I've talked in the past about the Writers Guild of America Foundation who puts on these events. They have this thing called the Golden Ticket. And when I first moved here, that was what I did. I paid the money for that and it got me a mm -hmm. front row seat at all of these events. And what that allowed me to do was just have a better learning experience and the opportunity to have conversations with these people if I wanted to. And I remember I got I went to the to the WGA um, in Hollywood and I, I was riding the elevator up and I rode up with John August and I had met him at Sundance where I was doing translation work. So I was like, oh, hey, John. And he's like, oh, hey. And I was like, yeah, I was the Sundance translator. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And he's like, you enjoying LA? And I was like, yeah. And that's all I said to him. And it's because it just wasn't the right time to attack the guy who's no. about to go talk on stage and you know read the room i understood dynamics just acknowledge i knew who he was and we'd met before that was it didn't that was the most networking i did at any of those events yeah. outside of the other people who had paid for the golden ticket and because we were talking to each other every week and sitting there and going to the festival that they put on i met a lot more people through doing those things yeah that's your net that's networking it's not gross it's not hey what can you do for me it's hey let's just let's just chat yeah let's just we have something in common Cool. Uh, Danny Cassone, probably messing that up. How do you develop better writing skills and how do you find someone to bounce your ideas off of? Uh, well, you know, the one thing we have in our, in our course is a private Facebook group and those people trade scripts and they've all been through my course. So, you know, they know, you know, they have some degree of knowledge. Uh, so that's a great way to do it. But uh, how do you, what was the first part? How do you, how do you, yeah. uh, how do you develop better writing skills? Oh yeah, you take classes. <laughs> That's how you do it. You learn. I mean, you, how you, how are you expected to do it? How are you expected to do it on your own when you don't know? Yeah, That's why read, you take a course. Read and apply. That's the other thing is you can get too caught up in learning how to do something. And that is a form of procrastination because you're not yeah. sitting down to execute. You're going to learn a lot more by executing and reading it and realizing how bad it is than you would learning and learning and learning and not sitting down and, and just doing the work. So yeah, don't procrastinate, yeah. just do the work and you'll learn a ton. Uh, yeah. But as far as, you know, ideas, like you said, it's the private Facebook group or the people you're around, like all those things. Someone else asked in here, although I'm not a member of the course, can I sign up for the private Facebook group as long as I'm carrying my weight and contributing? No, sorry. You got sorry. a lot of those requests. <laughs> sorry, because that's just... That's just the rule to get in. It's like the people who put skin in the game, they've been to the lessons, they're not, they're contributing with their knowledge, with what they've learned. It's not, uh, it's not social hour, it's like it's class. So, yeah. uh, you know, can you, it's like saying, hey, can I, can I just go to med school and contribute? Well, no, you're either in or you're out. Yeah, you know? the and the quality of every interaction in that group is better because everyone is coming at it from the same foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I do think that. I do think they're very serious. Uh, I do think the qual—I think the quality of the conversations in that private Facebook group, because I see it, I see the comments, and I leave comments. It's very high. It's much higher than say, way higher than Reddit, way higher than some public Facebook group. It's way—it's just higher. One example I'll give on that: um, a friend of mine was like, "You got to join this this Facebook group. It's awesome." And I joined, and I—I I like was just trying to introduce myself. I was like, hey, I'm Phil, I'm new to the group. I just wanted to share this thing that I heard about, you know, Steve Spielberg said that the opening shot of every every film is a metaphor for the whole thing. And I got berated by like 50 people saying, I thought everybody knew that. This is, what do you mean you're just learning? Yeah. I was like, I was like, you guys are dicks, I'm out. And I just left the group because yeah. I was like, you are not my people and I do not want to be in here with you. Yeah, there's a, 
People, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. People on social media can be dicks, and I don't see any of that going on. No. I, maybe because I think I'll, they know I'll kick them out if I see that. <laughs> you, you will. Um, another, another on that note. So one thing you and I have to do for the course is there's this whole thing that you did with me, which is coming up with an idea, breaking an idea, writing the idea, and getting a pilot. And it was a pilot episode of Tacoma FD. And we still have to go over that final script because someone was like, uh, Glenn yeah. in the group was like, hey, Phil, did you guys ever, did you ever finish it? I was like, I did. I need a, it's printed. I just need to send it to Michael so he can give me notes. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll and he's like, well, that, so. and he was like, well, I was just revisiting it. And I always thought this might be this moment at the end of your act too. And I was like, dang, that's better than what I wrote. And then he was like, and then maybe this is how like the Eddie comes back. I was like, dang it, that's better than what I wrote. Right. Right. It's just they're thinking about story at a, the same yeah, way. Right. And I was like, I learned some valuable things off of those two comments, and he hasn't even read the script. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so. a good group. Yeah. All right. Manola Films, can you please talk about the show Bible? What is a show Bible, and do we need them? I think is the ultimate question. No, you don't, I don't think you need them. No. I, the show Bible, when we work on a show, is like the writer's assistant or the script supervisor will, will assemble the episodes that we've shot and put it together and for whatever reason, whoever needs to look at it. I'm like, who wants to look at this? Uh, when you're pitching, you think you need a show Bible because you want to sell a show, but you're not going to sell a show. So what are you worried about? Um, your, your writing sample, your script is a writing sample. It's a calling card. It's for you to get more work. Why put it? You're not going to, what are you going to do with the Bible? Who's You're not pitching anybody. And if, and if you do pitch someone and they want a Bible, fine, I'll put together a Bible. But that's not what the point of, your, your main goal right now is to have a, a killer script as a writing sample. That's hard enough. Forget about a Bible. There's, a, there's another uh, writer who's pretty active on, on TikTok and social media, and he was talking about a Bible. And I asked him, I was like, what, what do you think the value of a show Bible is? Because I've, I've heard I shouldn't need one. He's like, well, you got to know where your story is going. So when you pitch, you can answer the question, like, what's, what, where are we going? What's going on? So understand that much about it if you're going to if you're in a, the opportunity to sell it, but he wasn't advocating for what I think the pros and the experts are referring to as a, a Bible, which is this is this character and his backstory and his arc through seasons one through 10. And this is the, like, it's not yeah. that detailed. It's just know where you're yeah, going with right. your story. There, there are also some really interesting Bibles, uh, story Bibles that are available online that I won't link to because they're not our IP. They're not something right. that you want to link out to, but you can search for them and find them. That again is literally what you said. It's something that an assistant does for the show. Right. So, uh, Monica, and by the way, it's to help the writers, the new staff writers. Um, we had new writers on right. Tacoma FD this season and they were asking me for that and we didn't have a Bible. And so I had to send them all the scripts and they had to read through all the scripts instead of just reading a Bible to understand what stories have been told, who the characters they are. They should be reading things. the scripts anyway. They should, there that's the thing. There yeah. you go. Okay. I'm putting that on you guys if you're listening. Sorry. You, you didn't complain when I sent you the scripts. Yeah. Monica B. What about if you work in a different area of Hollywood, for example, post-production? Does that experience help when you are ready to pitch a script? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's great that you're working in Hollywood. Maybe you can make some connections. But if you're working in post and you don't want to, if you want to be a screenwriter, just know it's that's not where we. That's not the. That's not the the bullpen. That's not where we're pulling talent from. You're close. The closer you can get physically to the job you want, the better. So you're getting close, but eventually you want to get in on the production side. You want to get closer to the writers. It's good that you have that job, but it's not a transferable skill. I've turned down those jobs because it's not the direction I want to go. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Flyboy243, is starting out writing as a hobby part of the way to become a professional in your spare time if you're at the bottom? 
Yeah, you should be writing. Yeah, if you enjoy writing, for sure. If you like writing, but if you don't like writing, if you're not writing as a hobby, then what what makes you think you're going to like it as a profession? Hmm. Philip Mullings Jr. Can you use scripts that you've written on a show as a staff writer in your portfolio? Uh, well, I don't have a portfolio. None of us have a portfolio. We just have writing. We have scripts that we've written. So if you, you were credits, on staff, right? you have, you have a have credit credits. that your agent's putting out there. Yeah. yeah but if you were, let's say you were on a, let's say you were a staff writer on, uh, you know, floppy and the boys on the Disney channel and you wrote a script. Fantastic. But if you're trying to get work on some other show, a sophisticated adult show, your floppy and the boys script that was produced, is not going to be of any service. So, you know, you have to have a writing sample that's that, that will match the tone of the show you want to work on. Yeah. Got it. Alex Zen draw comics. What do screenwriters do when they're having health problems that may hinder their writing pursuits? Well, what are you going to do? I mean, if your health, your health comes first, what are you going to do? You have to be healthy enough to write and healthy enough to work. So that's a, that's a problem. What do you do? You're, you know, you focus on getting healthy. I, I wanted to include this one because it's an area we haven't talked much about, which may be like the WGA health benefits and some of those benefits oh. that you get from being in the guild. Um, mm -hmm. I can tell you as someone who previously held an insurance license, um, disability insurance is probably a good idea for most people, which is if you are unable to perform your work for which you get paid, you can get a percentage of that pay. Now that is not an endorsement for anybody or anything, but it is something to consider for every adult. If I get a hand, if I get handicapped or something, how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. It's just very hard to prove disability if you're a writer, because as long as you have a functioning brain, like you can still write. So disability is easier if you're working on a construction because you can't, you know, how are you going to climb a ladder? But if you're disability is hard to prove if you're a writer. Interesting. As far yeah. as the WGA benefits go for like the health plan, I mean, what does that look like? And, and I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to earn a certain number of points or pay a certain amount into yeah. the guild fund every year to maintain your benefits. Yeah, right. The health benefits, being in the writer's guild gets you uh, health uh, insurance as well as pension, but uh, you have to earn a certain number of points every every year to continue qualifying for them. Yeah, and if you don't qualify, is that like a COBRA situation where you're paying out of pocket for those benefits? You get or? you accrue points, so you have a certain uh, you know the more you work, the more points, and then if so, if you're unemployed for a year, usually you just draw the, from this point bank that you have, and that'll deplete itself after pretty quickly, depending on how how long you've, your history is, and then after that, you can have a COBRA situation where you get to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Which is expensive. So yeah. Yeah. But prioritize your health. That's that's something I'm learning the older I get, especially having children now and people who rely on me, is your health is the number one thing because without it you cannot provide for your family. You cannot right. do anything. So right. make time for that. All right. Peter Ketiler. This feels very Russian. Peter P I E T E R K E T E L A A R. I apologize to everybody for my poor phonetics. What kind of stock do you put in a blacklist score of eight for a pilot in hand already? I have no idea what an eight means or what the black, I barely know what the blacklist is. So I'm going to say what kind of stock do I put in that zero considering I don't even know the question. I knew that was going to be the answer to the question, which is why I included <laughs> it. Because for those of us who are what we call pre WGA people trying to yeah. break into the industry, we put a lot of stock in the blacklist and what that means. But I had uh, a volunteer at Sundance that I met years ago. She had a script that was on the blacklist. 
and she had mm-hmm. meetings about it. And then she rewrote the whole thing and changed it all up and spent two years focusing on that script instead of walking away from it and working on another good piece of material. And a lot right. of my conversations were pitching things to her because of your course that ultimately she was like, well, that was in my first draft. That was in my first draft. And she's just getting lots of bad feedback. So the points don't matter. The listing can get you meetings with people, but ultimately you still got to be able to put in the work and you have to have multiple samples. Yeah, multiple that samples. Get, that might get you into a room, but what else do you got? Like you tell me you got an eight or whatever or a hundred and eight on Blacklist. I don't really care. Let me just read the script. I'll decide whether I I think the script is good or not. I get to decide that. And whoever, whoever's reading it gets to decide it. So yeah. it's not like, oh, this person's got an eight right this way. No, I don't care whether you got a zero. If it's I, I, I read it, I decide. Yeah. Another question from Peter. Um, this was from the webinar where you talked about networking should be at your level or beneath you, right? Because yeah. and we talked about that's this why at the I top feel of this episode. That's my opinion. What should my beneath me look like? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's it's anyone. It's I and mean, I don't know. This might be too taking two ways too. So let me just throw the other one out. What is something that is beneath me? What is something I shouldn't spend my time doing? Well, like right, nothing's beneath you. So if your neighbor is saying, "Hey, I want to shoot a movie in my backyard." Sure, I'll do it. I'll help if I'm if I'm just above that level. Yeah, why not? It's like because anybody who's showing any kind of ambition, who's just trying, a student at a film school, whatever, get involved in them. They're going to get out of film school if they want to stay in the industry. They'll stay in the industry, and and then they'll work their way up, and then you'll be right there with them because you're helping them on their projects, and maybe they'll help you on theirs. That's your that's you know, that's your, your class. It's your graduating class. So is anything beneath you? No. As long as you have the time to do it, get involved. These, cause, cause no one, you know, it's so interesting. Like when I talk about stories from my past, you know, I think it's easy to, and I talk about, Oh, this person, I know this famous person, this, or this successful person, that successful person at the time they weren't successful. They were just people. And, and, and most of them didn't mount to anything in the industry, but some of them did. And, uh, that's that some of them did. That's it. So, you know, you just, you get involved in everybody. But it goes back to the thing that's a common theme on our podcast, which is serve everybody, give as much as you can without any expectation of receiving. Because if you're doing it because mm-hmm. you, you're betting all your, all your cards on that horse, everything you got on that horse to win the race, and then they fall out. Well, yeah. there's, there's some manipulation and some self-serving that goes there and intention has a smell. So we, you're going to stink. Like it's not good. I, I worked on a show called, I was a PA on a show called Hearts of Fire, which was Marky Post and, and John, uh, uh, John Ritter. And, um, and, and also uh, Billy Bob Thornton was on it actually. And uh, it was a Linda Bloodworth Thomason show. And so there was two young staff writers in that show, which I kind of hung out with them a bit because they were closer to my age and they were, because they were staff writers, maybe they're story editors, I don't remember, but they're low. They were low and very low in the totem pole. And I hung out with them because they were closer to my level and they were nice to me. Those guys turned out to be David Cohen and Max Muchnick, who created Will and Grace years later. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> they were just a couple of guys my age, you know, a couple of years older. And, you know, that, that, who, who, like, I didn't have to kiss anybody's butt. They were, you know, they were just my, you know, I was at PA, so they were definitely above my level, but still they were, they weren't setting the world on fire at the time. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, 
Join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammon.com slash watchlist. All right, uh, Taylor Cole. I have had a consistent career as a film producer. How can I best transition into television? I'm assuming television writing. Oh yeah, with TV writing, how can you bet? You know, you're you're basically you're where everyone else is. I, my answer to you is the same as everyone else. Uh, write scripts, show them. If you if you have a movie that did really well, if you have a hit movie that you should have no trouble. You should if, you know if people fight. If you made some a movie that no one saw, you're gonna have a problem. If you made a hit movie where there a breakout at Sundance, people are gonna find you. People mm -hmm. are gonna find you, and that's how. I'm going to do a whole webinar. I don't want to say too much because I, I've, I've coming up. I want to talk about examples of this, uh, about people who have who breakout people and how they and how they broke out. And I'm going to talk more about it. And so sign up for one of my webinars at michaeljammon.com/webinar. But because I'm going to talk about that for about an hour. But how can you? My advice to you is the same as everyone else. I hope you're, I hope you're following me everywhere and just soaking it up because it's no different for you. Yeah. There you go. Shane Gamble, I live in New York City. Do you think it is better to move to LA or should I focus on the network I've currently built here? You know, where's Hollywood? And uh, Hollywood is in LA. Uh, there is some, obviously there's theater. There's probably more theater in New York than there's in LA, if you, that interests you. Uh, in the end, you're probably gonna have to come out to Hollywood. You know, there's not much of a network out there. Uh, you know, this is where it is. I'm from New York. I moved out here because this is where Hollywood is. So, yeah. yep. Now there's writing there too, but if you don't have the network there in yeah. the writing the, space, some shows are shot there, but the writing, most of the time, the writing's done here. 30 Rock was shot and written in New York, but that's only because Tina Fey didn't want to leave New York. Everybody else does it here. Yeah. So you can, you might get a job. Let's say you've got a job in New York writing on 30 Rock. Great. How are you going to make a career? Mm. Because that show is done. It's not on the air anymore. Good point. Right. Ariba, how do I work through the problem of getting stuck between my script? Any exercises that I could help work through that? I'm currently writing a short film and I find myself stuck midway. You don't understand story structure. You didn't break your story correctly, which is why you're stuck, which is why you don't know what your characters are going to do. You don't know what to do. So I don't have any quick fixes for you. I could teach you story structure. I could teach you, which is what the course is. There's no, I don't have a tip. I teach you, I, I teach you how to become a writer. There's no tips. It's not a tip situation. Yeah. And, and the course is currently closed. Um, maybe it's yeah. not when you, when this comes up, probably will be, but the course is currently closed and we open it up once a, once a month at this point for people who want to join. So yeah, best way to know about when is to sign up for the webinars because, uh, there's some specials in the webinar and you have a chance to win the course, but also typically I can't, I'm not going to promise that every time. I don't want to speak for you, Michael, but yeah. that, that is typically the best way to find out when the course is going to reopen. Yeah. But yes, yeah, unfortunately, it's not, I don't have any tips. I don't have any exercises. I, I'm going to teach you how to become a writer. I, I'm going to teach you how to write, basically, if you, want to, if you want to take the course. One of our really early episodes of the podcast talked about writer's block and about how, sorry, you're mm -hmm. a professional. And you talked about that recently on another webinar as well. So that's some place to look for some advice on this as well is work through it, make it happen, but you got to learn the story structure. Yeah. Cool. Cam C., if I'm writing an entire series, 
are the accumulation of episodes enough or should I spread out to other writings too? Why would you write an entire series? That's the first question. That you is write one script. That, that is advice people get, Michael, is you should write an entire series. No, write one script. Write one episode that's just killer. Write one, just one. A lot of times, and we were talking, we talked about this privately, where someone wrote an entire series and you read it and you're going, ah, you, just, you just basically took the contents of your pilot and script and spaced it off on 10 episodes. It's so now you have structure. 10 episodes of... They have no structures. They have 10 episodes of garbage. They have 10 episodes of boring when they should have just made one episode that was great. Yeah, their intuition for what an entire series is was literally a pilot. And all, yeah. everything else was just pipe and unnecessary, confusing, meandering. And a lot of, I think one of the early critiques I got in writing and I've heard many times and felt many times for other people is a lot of things happening, but no one's doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, you don't want your writing to be that. Learn, learn, study, study your screenwriting. That's what I have to say. Yeah, study so, what a story is. Oh. So write a good because pilot. if you had known what a story is, if that person had known what a story is, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have wasted all that time. Well, I give him these. I give him the notes, and at the end, he's like, "You," because I'd only read the the pilot, and I was like, "Well, this is this might be this, and this might this is kind of how I'd structure what your pilot would be." He's like, "You just described my full season." I was like, "Yeah, man." Sorry, just, Yeah. Sorry. You screwed up. <laughs> yep. Aaron Brown, what are your favorite examples of screenplays we should read? Anything. You should read good. You should read bad. You should read if it's good. Uh, you you yeah. got a stack of screenplays? Yeah, I've got Lady Bird, um, Ready Player mm -hmm. One, Aliens, which is one of the most popular scripts I think people are recommended to read. Mm -hmm. James Cameron, Unforgiven, which is the uh, script that famously right. sat inside of, um, blanking on his name. Um, was it Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood, yeah. Sat it, he, he bought it, put it in his desk, and then waited, I think, like 20 years till he was old enough to play the part. And um, won, a, won an yeah. Oscar, you know, won multiple Oscars. I got Drive, which we talked about recently. This is one of my favorite scripts. Yeah. Armageddon, which was a big blockbuster. Um, yeah, but just a bunch of scripts that I think were stood out. But I think when Oscar season comes out, they the studios release their nominated scripts and you can find yeah. them publicly. So that's that's a great place to go to find really good stuff. These are what the the industry says are the best scripts right now. And you can also go to the Writers Guild uh, in, in West Hollywood, or actually it's Hollywood. Fairfax, yeah, it's in, Fairfax. It's in Hollywood. Yeah, they have a public library. Uh, you don't have to be a member. You have to make it. You have to make an appointment. That's it. And you can read for free a bunch of scripts. Read good ones. Read bad ones. If you read a bad one, why don't I like this? And don't say it because it's boring. No. What exactly do you not like about this? If you see a good one, why do you want? What What do you like about this script? Why do you want to turn the page? What makes you want it? And be specific, not because it's compelling. Say it. No, no. Because I. What about it? It makes you want to turn the page. And uh, so you can learn from good or bad. Yeah. Awesome. We've got a few more questions here and then we'll wrap it up, Michael. Uh, yeah. Kaya, Kaya Linkagel, again, probably ruining your name. I apologize. How long should these sample scripts be? Like, how long should a sample well, script be? If you're writing a half hour or an hour long, it should, be, it should match whatever, if you're a drama writer, it's going to be an hour. There's a note at the back end of this. It says, feature, should I be writing, I'm putting this together. Fe oh. Should I be writing features every time or should I try TV scripts and all those different things? I, I think you should write whatever you want to write, whatever kind of writer you want to be. Personally, I think you will learn more from being a television writer than you'll, you'll learn more in a year than you would learn in 10 years writing features just because of you're learning, you're working alongside other writers who are experienced. It's like, 
I don't even know why you wouldn't want to be a TV writer first and then move into feature writing if that interests you. But you will learn so much from working aside, alongside professional writers. There's so much to be gained from that. Whereas if you're working in features, you're, you're home alone. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. You know. On that note, too, the industry is focused on TV right now, not features, and they're really like a handful of people writing features. It's yeah. not to say you can't be that, and there's always the indie feature side of things that you can do to write. But, um, I mean, effectively, this is the same advice you gave on TikTok recently on that on that mm-hmm. clip you did, right? Is start in television and then move, expand I think out. so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Michael's got a lot of great stuff. We talked about it before, but go check him out at Michael Jammin Writer on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everywhere. Yeah. Uh, all right. Gianna uh, Armentrout. How should you study other TV shows to learn story structure, breaking the story, etc.? What should I be looking for when I'm watching other shows? Yeah. I mean, and that's exactly what the course goes into. I mean, the problem is if you want to just watch, go ahead, watch as much as you can, but what you're not going to know what to look for. You're not going to know. That's the problem. And the same thing with reading. I think it's, you're, you're just probably not going to know. And so I explain in the course, like, this is what you need to be looking for. These are the moments. These are the act breaks. These are the middle of two. This is the top of three. This is what you need to be looking for. These are the patterns you're going to see in uh, uh, smartly written indie movies, smartly written, uh, you know, blockbusters and smartly written foreign films, you know, and they all have a lot in common and just because you and television as well and just because you think well i don't want to learn story structure because that's formulaic and it's not formulaic these are just things that a good story has these are just things they have in common so uh yeah when, when i was in film school we were given the task of picking whatever show we were going to write a spec episode of and then getting a stopwatch out and then timing the scenes mm-hmm. and um, yeah that seems logical, but ultimately what you don't realize is that's what the editing is. That's not necessarily what the script was and what it was written as. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's not hitting the important points, which is what beat should I be hitting here? What, how soon do they introduce this information? Yeah. And I don't even get that. Like, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to write with your stopwatch next to you, or you're going to write and you go, Oh, this is page three. This better happen. Like, how do you, what do you mean? How did, how do you, how are you supposed to make that work? That's and a so lot of you, screenwriting it, advice, Michael. This page, I don't, on page I three, this has happened. It. By page 10, this needs to happen. At the end of uh, page 25, this moment should happen. At page 45, this should happen. Page 60, this should happen. That's right. traditional open most screenwriting books. And I don't advice. get that. If you were to write a story, whether it's for television or just a story, and, and, and I, like I say, this is what happens. You need to have at the bottom of act one. If, now, if, you, if your bottom of act one is on page 15 or 17, does it really matter? Does it really matter? What difference does it make? If you're off by a page and a half, what the, who cares? And you could always cut it a little bit. If I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just don't approach writing that way. It's like, it's a story. Whether you want to put the story on a television or on a stage or write it in a book, this is, and you get to decide whether you want it to happen on 19 or 17. What difference does it make? Really? What difference does it make? There you go. Hiawatha Henry, are pitch decks the new calling card? I've been asked to submit pitch decks instead of a script. Who, who, who asking who, who's asking you these? I want to know. I want names. Who's asking? My my experience in Hollywood Uh, is that they are the people who are not actually producers. (laughs) There's the problem. Like I, I want to know if you want to, if you're a good writer first, if I'm going to get into business with you for anything, whether I'm going to finance your movie and I don't finance movies, but uh, that or staff you on a show, I want to know, can you write? Can you tell a good story? 
that's the first thing. And if you can't, I don't really care what your pitch deck looks like. I had done some work for a production company out here and the producers were like, well, we'd love to read what you have. And I was going to send my script and they're like, do you have a story Bible? This goes back to the earlier question. I said, I don't. Do you have an example of what story Bible you want to see? This was years ago before I realized kind of your advice on this. And they sent me, this is one we think is really good. And it was a pitch deck. And okay. th that was like, that was what piqued their interest. And then they read the script and it's like, these people are just trying to make a dime. They're not necessarily trying to put out the best content that they can. Right. And they're intermediaries and they're, they're not, they're not the guy with the overall deal at a studio that can just walk in and present what they want to make. So yeah. It's just I, I a different level. I don't understand. It's all smoke and mirrors. I think Whoa, the pitch that looks great. Really? What? Yeah. Are you trying to get hired as a writer or not? You know, I'm not Gen a graphic artist. Generation X. How can you find someone to read your work who has experience and won't steal your idea? Uh, well, where do I begin two, with two, this? Two notes on that one. I know, right? That's why I brought it. That's yeah. why I put it in here. You know, uh, where do you begin? Well, your, your agent will submit it and will only submit it to reputable places. And then the question is, well, how do you get an agent? And that'll be... That's, I've been talking about that in my, all my webinars. I got, I'll talk about it again at some point. Uh, how do you, how are you worried about they won't steal your idea? Well, who you're giving it to? Don't give it to some clown at Starbucks. Um, what was the other, what was the other question? Uh, how do you get someone with experience to read your work? Oh, how do you get someone with experience? Well, you have to bring more to the table. Why, why would they, like, I have experience. Why would I want to read your work? If I'm staffing for a TV show, I will go out to agents and managers. No, they'll give me the, I'm not, I don't go to, people off the street. I don't, yeah. I don't hire people off the street. So don't give me your work. Cause I'm not going to hire you. I'll get it from an agent. Well, how do you get an agent? That's a different question, but yeah. it's not, uh, you, you don't, you don't get people like me to, to read your work. You know, you don't, I mean, I think this fall I will have known Michael for 10 years. I've asked him to read maybe three things. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to get somebody to read. It's, you know, you're telling them to sit down. Somebody said that to me on DM me, you know, it's like, Hey, would you mind reading my screenplay? Would I mind giving up my Saturday afternoon, sitting down, reading your thing, coming up with notes, getting on the phone with you, deliver my notes? If I, what if I said to my dentist, hey, my tooth hurts, would you mind taking a look at it? My dentist would say, no, not a problem, not at all. Go call my office, make an appointment, bring your insurance card and your credit card for the deductible. That's what he would say. Like, you know, yeah. it's business, you know, it's professional. What do you expect? No, I, I. Michael kindly offered to read something, and I sent him the first script I wrote, and he referred to it as a Frankenstein. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. And this was five years into studying on my own. And yeah. I didn't send you anything else to read until it was a spec I wrote in film school. So that was probably three years later. And then the last yeah. thing I sent you to read was just last year. And right. that was the first and, good and, thing. That was the first and good the, thing. And, and your, your note on the second thing is I can tell you're a competent writer and you can capture the voice of the show, but all your other notes were about my structure. It still wasn't there. Right. And then the, the third piece was you're like, okay, now you're finally getting it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, now yep. you're finally getting it. Yeah. Yep. So, and I'm, I consider myself egotistically to be a smart guy, but it really yeah. took off when Michael put his course together for me. I, and yeah. I, I'm your biggest advocate for that thing. All right. Danny Cassone, again, have you met Mike Judge and Mark Marin? They're geniuses, by the way. <laughs> I've worked side by side with both of them, uh, Mark more so than Mike, because I was the showrunner of Mark's Marin's show on IFC. So we worked side by side for four years. Mike, uh, 
a little bit less so, but I wrote, you know, I wrote on King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead and, you know, on Beavis and Butthead, we would, um, he would send us, well, we write the scripts and then he would send us which videos he wanted to make fun of. And uh, so we would watch those. Then we'd go to the booth with him. We'd watch it over his shoulder. We'd pitch jokes and then he would run into the booth and do the voices and kind of change them, do it the way he wanted to do it. But yeah, but they're both great guys. Both of them are great. There you go. All right. Final questions. There's two, but one of them is like eight questions because it's the same question we get every single time you do a Q&A or anything else. Same question. So I'm going to read two. First one, amalgamation of things. Should I use a script consultant? What are your opinions about people who call themselves professional readers who give notes? Can you recommend a good script reading service and how much should a person pay for that service? Do you have any readers or reader services to recommend to any or to avoid? Okay. Woo. I would avoid anything called a service. Anything, if you can find a retired screenwriter or a screenwriter who has time on their hands uh, and, and go check out their IMDb page, IMDb page, check out their credits, read their work, if you can find something like that, and there are people that exist, those are the ones you want to pay and pay them whatever they ask. The more experience they have, pay them more. I personally, I would rather find someone with more and more experience and pay them more. If they want double because they have, they've been doing it for 20 years, I'll pay double because skimping just doesn't help you. I'd pay, for, I would, their expertise is worth every penny. That's what I would say. Um, with these services, you're finding people, many of them just hiring people, aspiring writers with no more credits or, than you do, no more experience than you have. And they're giving you notes and you're paying for it. And they are completely unqualified to tell you anything. They read the training brochure and that's it. And that's not how it works. I'm mad now. What else do you yeah. have to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to yeah. say, I think one of the things you can think about too, to get a little tell that I just discovered this week. So I mentioned that I'm, I was asked to sign on to help a, screen, a Sundance project because of my experience with Sundance. And I think that it helps them think they're going to get a little bit ahead with having a couple other alumni uh, and fellows on that roster. And they, they were going to put me in as a script consultant. I went to go see what that would look like on IMDb. And right there in that same thread, it's like script doctors and script consultants go under miscellaneous crew not writers i don't even it's, know what it is. is the bottom that's the same place where i put my writer's assistant my my writer's pm right. credit down there because it's just not a value it doesn't do anything and those people may get hired to do work at a studio level but i wouldn't hire them to do that on my script yeah. you need to, no, learn how I to do that i job. don't know if they get hired at a studio level yeah and, and, i don't know if that's a so, thing supposedly it's a thing but I, you need to know it. how to write and so find a writer to give you the feedback or find, find people it, who know the writing and how to write to give you feedback. Yeah. And that's, again, what your private Facebook group does and what your course does for people. Find a screenwriter who has time on their hand. Maybe they're supplementing their income, but they have good credits. And they, they know they've worked. Don't find someone who's a professional consultant, reader or whatever. I, I would stay away from that. Yeah. And last question, which is similar vein, but I think on a high note. BW asks, what does Michael think of submitting scripts to the Academy Screenwriting Contest, which is the Fellows, the, the Nichols Fellowship? Oh, oh okay. Is that, is that, I didn't realize they were the that's, ones That's the Academy oh. is the Nichols Fellowship. Okay. Do that one. That's a prestigious one. If you win, if you come in, if you place, eh, doesn't really help you. I've, I've heard of quarterfinalists and semifinalists getting some meetings off of that because it's so okay. competitive. And the right. – the that's read by actual professionals are donating their time right. to read and score those. So right. it's, it's definitely has more clout than anything else. But uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, also go for 
um, if you have any um, uh, fellowships, do do those. You know, sure. If they're industry things, yeah. Sometimes you can get involved in, um, you know, like the, the studios offer various. But this goes back. Like but just this whole thing goes back to just be careful where you're spending your money as a writer because you can spend. Yeah thousands of dollars submitting scripts to festivals thinking that that award or that laurel on your website or on your script is going to help you get ahead and it will do nothing for you. And they're all, a lot of them, not all of them are money making machines to fund yeah. whatever they're doing at the festival. And that's, I can tell you firsthand that that's the case. Um, I've spoken about what I would do to break into the industry. If I had to do it today, I'm going to do a few a webinar. I'm going to devote a webinar to that topic again, probably in a few months because I have other ones I've already you know, planned out, we're going to do first, get on them. It's free. There's, you know, it's free. That's all I yeah. got to say about that. Michaeljammon.com slash webinar. Perfect. Well, Michael, I think it's a good place to call it for the today. Anything else you want to add? Time of death, Phil? Time of death. We, we, time 50, of death. Is... 50 something minutes. It's a long one. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right, well, everyone. Yeah. Beyond that, beyond that, some things you can do to support yourself in writing. So again, you don't have to sign up for Michael's course. Michael's giving a lot of stuff. If you don't have the money, you you know, that's okay. Michael, I will okay. just make sure people are clear here because they may not know you are offering 0% financing effectively on all these things. Like if you want to sign up when mm -hmm. registration's open, you can do a, a pay in full, a three month or a six month plan because you said you want to make it as affordable to everyone as possible. There were some partners we had that were adding financing and we removed that option just to make sure yeah. it was fair to everybody yeah. who wanted to get in. And if you can't pay, that's fine. You can go, I got a free lesson. Go to michaeljammon.com slash free. If you want to get on my free newsletter where I give out three free tips a week, michaeljammon.com slash watch list. If you'd like to download some scripts that I've written and read them because they think it'll help you and they probably will, you can also find those on my website. Uh, like we got a ton of free stuff. We got this podcast. So uh, yeah, just enjoy, take it in, take it did in. You, did you mention the watch list? I did. That's our new, oh, yeah. Okay. Michaeljammon.com okay. watch list. I was thinking about, thinking about all this stuff. I was blanked for a second. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for your time and listening in. Uh, hopefully this was helpful yeah. to you and make sure you sign up for the webinar where you do get an opportunity to ask Michael questions live and we dive into more detailed stuff. Michaeljammon.com slash webinar again for that. All right, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bring your questions next time. Awesome. Thanks, Until Phil. Then. Everyone keep writing. keep writing, everyone. That's our uh, motto. Phil came up with that. Keep writing. Yeah. One good thing. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> See ya. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.